I mean, this is the last stand. He's back from over a year-long radio hiatus. Well, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. We know how much you've missed him, Tennessee. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. Can you say Hail Mary? So he's bringing you an all-new podcast coming straight from the heart of Knoxville. 11 in a row, 11 in a row, 11 in a row, 11 in a row, eh, eh, 38 in a row, as in 38 unanswered points. He's the hardest working man in America that doesn't drink beer. He's looking for a woman with a good insurance policy, and you can always find him on the second floor somewhere getting shoulder rubbed. His name is John Reed, and this is Reed's Ranch. Point four, Florida, you can go to hell. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It is Wednesday, October 14th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. Seth, I'm sorry that your It's been a rough stretch for you. Your two football teams take L's. You were dead wrong about our basketball commitment. And, you know, just recently, just a couple hours ago, we lose a big football commitment as well. So, been a rough little stretch for you. How are you holding up? I'm fine. I'm fine. I was only reiterating what the Rivals National guy said about Jabari Smith at the time of the podcast. By that, by the night that, whenever we did that, by that night, everyone was saying Auburn. And I was just like, well, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I was just saying what they were saying. It was terrible timing. It was like right when we got done with the podcast. I was like, never mind. It was like literally like like right after we recorded the podcast, everyone like changed their tune for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. He only officially visited one place, and that was Tennessee. I mean, imagine that. Like, very, very, uh, basketball recruiting is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. You just people who pay money and you get you get recruits. Yeah, well, why aren't we paying money then? I mean, we might be. We don't know. We've gotten some pretty big recruits. I mean, I'm not going to complain about the basketball recruiting right now just because we've started recruiting pretty good at basketball. Oh, yeah, we have recruited. You know, I mean, it's just like... I mean, we we might be the one school not cheating. I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. Just don't get caught on a wiretap. Although, even if you do get caught on a wiretap, you'll be fine. Will Wade's still thriving. Yeah, Will Wade's still doing big things. I mean... We just lost to Auburn on a, on a big-time commitment. And, oh, yeah, Bruce Pearl and... Was it Chuck Persons involved in that? Like, and Chuck's gone, obviously, but Auburn's still rolling. So maybe do get caught. It doesn't matter. Whatever happened to? I mean, they had the Will Wade stuff like a couple months ago. I feel like during the summer, more stuff came out about it, and then now it's just like nothing's happened. Will Wade is just going to coach this winter and spring, and it's like no big deal. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? We are going to be very good this this winter. So. So, yeah, I guess Amarius Mims committed to Georgia. I don't think anybody expected him to go to Tennessee. No, no. Not especially after Saturday. But before we get to Saturday, I just want to tell you to uh, eat shit and tighten up. Titans are good. Man, what a domination. Titans are good. Josh Allen's MVP uh, march completely just uh, ended in Nashville last night. I didn't get to watch it. I... What happened on the first interception? Was it thrown to Andre Roberts? Yeah, and it was behind him. Okay. It still should have been caught, but it wasn't an accurate pass. And then it went up into, uh, you know, Super Bowl hero Malcolm Butler's chest. And he ran it back and got us in a position to score the first touchdown. And, you know, you guys tied it. But then after that moment, we just kicked your ass. Yeah. 
happens. Your uh, brother, show. brother, brother Jerry Hughes had nothing for us. No, he was terrible. Um, I mean, I got to listen to a little bit of the third quarter. And like when I was listening, were you mad hearing Mike Keith? No, I love Mike Keith. I only yeah, get I mad about Mike. Though since he was kicking get, your ass. No, I mean it happens in the NFL. Like it's going to happen. You're going to lose some games on the road in the NFL. Like the Titans are good. Titans are good. They're a good. Football Titans team. haven't lost any games in the road on the NFL yet. Just I don't. I don't know if it happens to everybody. You know, I mean, you know better than anybody that sometimes you just drop some games in the NFL that are kind of you know whatever. You just snap and clear. Yep. I only get mad about Mike Keith because I think about him calling the balls and how much better it would be than Bob Kessling because UT doesn't even put Bob Kessling's voice on their official highlights anymore. They use the ESPN guys. That's how bad Bob Kessling is. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but I noticed that after the first two games. I obviously didn't watch the highlight package from last Saturday, but the first two games, the highlight package had the ESPN guys doing it, and it always has had Bob Kessling, or in basketball, it will have Bertel Camp. That's pitiful. It's sad, man. It's pitiful. Like, he is that bad that they put, who was that? They put Matt Stinchcomb on the highlight package for the South Carolina game over the voice of the balls. Meanwhile, Mike Keith is all over the highlights on ESPN, on Showtime. And everyone loves Mike Keith for obvious reasons because he's awesome. But no, I wasn't getting mad. I mean, I think the little bit I got to listen to, the, it was like a stretch where the Bills had like, four offsides penalties in like a two-minute, three-minute span or something. I mean, just kept jumping offsides. I know Jerry Hughes would jump offsides too. A sloppy game, by all accounts. Zero sacks. Yeah, the Bills' defense isn't as good, and then it doesn't help that everyone's so hurt. I don't really know. Titans, six trips to the red zone, Seth. Six trips to the red zone. Six touchdowns. The Titans are good. No turnovers. Allowed zero sacks. The last team that ever did that, the 2007 New England Patriots, who, who many say is the best offense in NFL history. They also did it against the Bills. Is that when they had Randy Moss? That is when they had Randy okay. Moss, yes. And Dante Stallworth and Wes Welker. Pretty, pretty stout wide receiver core there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty nice wide receiver core there, yeah. I'm I not saying the Titans are on that level. I'm just, I'm not saying they're not on that level. Yeah. The Titans are good. All right, good. Sounds like you've bent the knee. Love to hear it. I, the Titans, I've been saying the Titans are good. Okay. I mean, you've been talking shit about the Buffalo game, and now you're singing a different tune. That's all I'm saying. I have not been talking shit about the Buffalo game. I have not been. Uh, that is that is false. That is false. I'm, the Titans are good. They won. They're a very good football team. Like, it happens. Some say know. great. Some are, some are saying they're great. Okay. Some might be. See? There you go. There you go. Right there. I mean, some I might be saying voice. they're great. I, I hear it in your voice right now. I hear it. They might be great. Beat COVID, then beat the Bills' ass, which I needed after Saturday. Let's talk about Saturday. We don't have to. First half, really good. Second half, really bad. Uh, Yeah, I mean, um, just... The offense, I, mean, I don't even want to talk about this game. The offensive line should be ashamed. Um, Bad timing to fully lean in and embrace the TVA nickname. All we heard for a week was about the offensive line, TVA. We all bought into it. I bought into it. I told everyone that asked me about the game, like my friends and stuff, and I would be like, look, 
I think it will be a game in the fourth quarter because I think we can we can control the ball better than Auburn can, and I think we will be able to run it on them some. And lo and behold, I was right. It was a game in the fourth quarter at the very beginning of the fourth quarter. But it wasn't because of the offensive line. It was because of our defense. And because of a bad snap on the second play of the game. Talk about getting an absolute embarrassment. I mean, after talking all that shit, it was unfortunate that Jerome Carvin was out. Um, it wouldn't have mattered because even if he had played, Cade Mays would have still been out there. And um, Cade was like a screen door Saturday. Um, it didn't matter when Do he... Do we ever see the pro football focus grades on no, that? I, I don't know if VolQuest has put them out yet. Uh, that... I know Jesse used to do it. Yeah, Jesse's Hubs has been doing it, but I haven't. I know Rob Lewis has been doing it. Here we go, beyond the box score. Let's look at our grades here. Yeah, I was very curious of that. I know in the Discord we had it uh, last week or the first week maybe, but I haven't so, seen it since then. Let the listeners of Reed's Ranch keep in mind that according to Pro Football Focus, a grade of 70 to 79 is an above average starter. We had one guy grade out at that. He graded out at 71.9, so barely above on average. O- on offense or just on the offensive line? Um. This is period, I believe. No, I'm sorry. No, I mean, this I is just offense. It's just offense. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is just offense right now. Josh Palmer at 71.9. I was say, Palmer had to be our best, right? Keaton at 68.5. Brandon Johnson at 67.6. Eric Gray at 67.3. All of those guys played a minimum of 25 snaps. Coming in fifth. Did Brandon Johnson just not play enough snaps? He played the least amount of snaps of those. He only played 25 snaps. Keaton played four. Oh, okay, okay. So he, he was in there. Okay, sorry. Frank, bro, you can't be – just go chew the toy in the room. Number, can you hear Can you hear that? And he's just sitting here with this goddamn squeaker. Just squeaker. I, I can't hear him, though. Okay, he's driving me crazy. He's playing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to scream, buddy. You go ahead. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the the Bulldogs. I'm not mad at you. So give me those three again. Eric Gray was our lowest of the 60s. Palmer was, and then uh, and uh, Johnson was on there. I thought Brandon Johnson played pretty good. I did too. I'm surprised he rated lower than Keaton, who I don't even really remember Keaton doing anything. Besides I don't remember Keaton in the game at all. He must have been in that last like um, couple possessions. He played after 41 snaps. He played. Oh, wow. He played. Five more snaps than Eric Gray. Seems like uh, how many snaps did Big Said Tillman get? I feel like there were too many. Uh, he played. He did not make the cut. Um, okay. Thing I don't, that I see. So graded out fifth. Our fifth. Our fifth highest player. Our fifth highest player. Kron Calvert was fifth. He graded out at sixty point zero with one snap. Trey Smith graded out at 60.0 with 64. Riley Locklear graded out at 60.0 with one. Spragans at 59.7 with three. So back to guys that actually played some. Chandler, 56.7 with 28. I thought Chandler was terrible. I thought he was awful. That he multiple times made the wrong cut. Um, Am I alone in this? The bad part about going to the game is I don't get to see and, like, really... I mean, you can pay attention, but, like, it's just a different presentation on TV, you know? So, I didn't I didn't notice anything from Chandler that stood out good or bad. So, I can't really comment there. There are two plays in particular that I thought that stick in my mind about Chandler. One, it was a pass play where we were backed up towards our own end zone, and he cut inside right into a Georgia player. And if he had cut outside, and he could have cut either way. It's not like it was like he had to go inside, okay? He had 
he had the world at his fingertips, and he cut inside right into a Georgia player. And then on like a third and one or a fourth and one, we gave it to him, and he ran right smack in to like our player who was currently engaged in a fight to the death with the Georgia defender at blocking and then just went down and we didn't convert it. I thought he was terrible Saturday. I mean, I, I like I know, and rightfully so, the offensive line is going to get most of the blame. I thought that Chandler was bad. Cade Mays, 52.7. Oof. Um, with 64 snaps. Anything, 50 to 59 a is a 52. below average starter. 50 to 59 is a below average starter. Darnell Wright oh. graded out at 52.7 as well at 62, which makes sense. The right side of our line was a sieve. I mean, anything that wanted to get through, it got through. It didn't matter if Mays. We tried one drive putting Mays at tackle, and we stuck Spragans in there. I guess they didn't like that any better. Uh, Brandon Kennedy, 50.7 with 64 snaps. No, no. Wanye Morris graded out the lowest. Wanya Morris had 64 snaps, same as Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, and Cade Mays. He graded out at 39.3. Oh, no. Which I would have guessed that Morris did better than Mays. So, just everyone on the offensive line sucked. Yeah. I mean, Trey Smith had the highest grade, and he graded out as an average starter. Which we know Georgia's front seven... Is awesome, but still, my God. Well, I saw today that Carvin and Jameer Johnson back at practice, questionable for sun- Saturday against uh, Kentucky. Yeah. I'd imagine if they were healthy on Saturday, they, w- they would have gotten in the game a lot. Yeah. Um. I mean, Like, a lot of this just doesn't – I just don't know enough about football, and it doesn't make sense to me because I would have said under – there's no way that that Darnell White – Darnell Wright graded out 13 points higher than Wanya Morris. And Wright played two less snaps, so it wasn't an issue of sample size. I saw some bad Wright plays, but I don't know about the plays where I didn't notice him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not grading just on one play. You know, like it's – the whole body of work, so maybe he was average on some plays and just really bad on others, whereas Wanye was just bad all night. Uh, that That's brutal, though. All right, what, what did JG grade out at? JG graded out at 45.4, 64 snaps. Brandon Kennedy graded out an 81.8 on pass blocking. Trey Smith, a 62, 69.9 at pass blocking. The next highest was Darnell Wright, 51 on pass blocking. Cade Mays, 32.9 pass blocking. Oh, my God. And That's Morris, really hard to do it. That's really hard to do at the guard position, too. Yeah, Wanya Morris, 32.1 at Oof. pass blocking. All right. Anything else from the game? I'm, this is pissing me off. I thought it was a Herculean performance from the defense. I thought that they played tremendous. Um, do we have the second-best defense in the SEC? Well, me and I was – I had a social obligation last night um, with my best friend from high school, and we were talking about, and he said, if you ask me, Luke. no, no. He said, if you ask me who the second best defense in the league is, I would have to say Tennessee or Kentucky. Because he's like, I really don't know. There doesn't look like there's any good defenses outside of Georgia. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that argument can be made. The defense played great. Um, the defense of the front seven, uh, like, 
these linebackers, for the time being, are just going to struggle sometimes in pass coverage. It is what it is. Like, we know that there's going to be a play a game where Toa Toa, as good as he is, he's going to look lost in pass coverage. It is what it is. Other than that, they the front seven was tremendous. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. We probably do have the second best defense in the SEC just because I'm going to say that because we're more talented than Kentucky. Yeah, we're not giving Kentucky the edge over And us we that. did this without uh, he's not a star, but I mean I guess DeAndre Johnson is our best defensive lineman. He's definitely our best pass rush threat. And he got his ass booted out of the game very early. Yeah, and and an all-time retarded move. I mean, was a bone like Brain dead does not even describe it. The best description that I was told of DeAndre Johnson's play came from a longtime podcast listener and friend who said simply IQ is lower than jersey number, and his jersey number is 13. That is how stupid it was. That being said, George Pickens outdid him with the dumbest personal foul penalty of the game. George Pickens outdid DeAndre Johnson, so... DeAndre at least does not have the award for dumbest personal foul penalty, and Jeremy Banks got lucky he didn't get one because he's out here kicking people. I don't know if I liked uh, Pruitt's answer to that. By the way, I don't know. Did you see what he said? He said he thought he he said he, he he thought you had to go to the ground to get a targeting. Like basically, like yeah, Stetson Bennett didn't go to the ground, so it was okay. No, I guess Pruitt's just protecting his players back. Hopefully in, hopefully in the locker room, he's like, that's the dumbest shit you've ever done. Stop it. Don't do that again. It was so bad. I mean, we had several. We had s- The thing is, is that like the fourth quarter in Georgia's defense in the second half had, has totally taken away from just how many missed opportunities we left out there. And it, yeah, which, that's, that, that, that's been really frustrating. It's like, I don't even feel good about the game, but like the first half was the best half of football we've played in years. And we left so many, we left so much stuff out there with penalties. I mean, like Trayvon Flowers, I think Trayvon Flowers has, has, he's played better than anybody expected him to play. And, but you got, you got to catch that interception, man. You got to catch the interception. Like Jalen McCullough, a lot of people seem to think that that was a bad pass interference call on Jalen McCullough. It might have been. In real time, I thought it was a good call, but it, I am open to someone saying that it, that was a bad pass interference call. But it was a back-breaking pass interference. In the stand, I thought it was a bad call. I thought it was about the right time, plus the ball was overthrown. It was but, uncatchable, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. That, that's why I thought it was a bad call. But uh, then, then there was like a two-second delay when the ref wasn't going to throw it, and then he decided to throw it. I, I was in the stands very mad about it. I haven't seen enough replays to say. Of our every of our every down defensive line of our I mean of our every down of our de- of our defensive starters, Jalen McCullough was the highest. Um Oh nice. Okay. He, he, graded, out at, he graded out at seventy six. Latrell Bumpfist graded out at seventy eight point six with forty one snaps. McCullough had forty three. Aubrey Solomon only played twelve snaps. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like wasn't that a storyline from last week too or two weeks ago? Didn't he uh, play a limited number of snaps? Yeah, he, he, he hasn't I... played hardly any because he didn't have a fall camp. Okay, so they're just trying to get him up to speed. Trying I guess. to get him up to speed. Um, that's di- that's disappointing. Yeah, 
but you know, Flowers. Defense played good. I, I hate that we couldn't stop the middle of the field because we knew that's all Stetson Bennett could throw. Yeah, I mean, Schamberger really got abused on that one touchdown or that one long pass that got him to the goal line. I mean, Schamberger just. He came off the field yelling at somebody else. So I don't know if it was. Well, all I know blaming is. Blaming someone else. I don't know if the other safety is, the safety is supposed to pick him up. I don't know what was happening, but he came off the sideline yelling at people. Um, I know two things. One is that. Gary Danielson, for whatever you want to say about him, he knows a lot about football. He said it was on Schamberger. And two, Theo Jackson came in the game after that. Okay. I don't know that I saw Schamberger back out there. No, and haven't the VolQuest guys been saying that uh, Schamberger is going to have a reduced role this week? Yeah, that's what my dad told me last night. As is usual after a loss, I completely um, go on a go on a Tennessee football fast for several days, basically until I have to do a podcast. So, yeah, dad was telling me last night that um, they were furious at Schamberger, and he was not going to be the star. And that he also seemed to think Elante Taylor was going to be benched, which Taylor played pretty poorly. He played 59 snaps and graded out at 43.6. And like, you know, Marwan said this during the game. Um, Marwan tweeted this during the game, or maybe it was right after, but it was a really good point. He's like, everyone wants to talk about number two on offense. And, like, yeah, I think we all agree that, like, Garantano is not very good. But, like, not many people are talking about number two on defense. What has happened to him? And um, he was terrible. He was awesome against South Carolina. He was bad against Missouri. And he was awful against Georgia. And Michonne, who is a patron and knows a lot about football, said, you know, he thinks that Alante Taylor is still in the wrong position. He is a safety or a wide receiver. He is just not a cornerback. But he was. He does seem to be built similarly to Nigel Warrior. Yes, he was terrible Saturday. That might sound really dumb, but to me that makes sense right now. Um, but Bryce Thompson, good again. Bryce Thompson would have had an interception if Darnell Washington did not physically mug him on the offensive pass interference. Trayvon Flowers got to intercept that ball, but he was right there and. You know, tough call, McCullough. He McCullough calls the strip, and that's that's when I went. That's honestly when I wanted to leave the stadium. Whenever uh, it's right in front of me, we get a strip, and it goes right into the gut of a trailing center. He was not even trying to pick the ball up, John. And you're just like, you can't beat top five teams on the road without getting some of those breaks. Like, it's not like you need luck. It's just like you can't have bad luck. Like, you can't have that ball go directly into his gut and that's you know it's funny because it's the same damn thing that happened there in 2018 it's the same thing two years ago they pick up a strip sack and take it in for a touchdown it's the same dumb shit with justin fields dribbling the basketball to himself like you just gotta have those go your way like you had it in 2018 against auburn right you created a fumble and like it it rolled around you got a touchdown out of it well it happened the first game it happened the second play saturday and then yeah sure that was the it that was it you know i mean McCullough made a great play on that strip. And at that point, I, if I recall correctly, the, the score was 23-21. to 21. Correct. And now... I believe they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive did. as well. They did. Um, I thought that punter booming a 64-yarder with no return was also a killer because we should have had the ball close to midfield. Their kicking game was a killer. They have this new guy who's out here. He's making field goals that seem like they'd be good from about 75 yards and their punter hits one like the full length of the field. 
yeah, the kicker being able to just be money. That was uh, that was extremely was... that was extremely. I think that during the game at the time, like that was what I was the most angry about was that we had come out in the second half and just played brain dead, and like through two drives, Georgia had like negative yards, and they had gotten six points out of it because their kicker's a damn you know he's mid two thousands Adam Vinatieri. And it's just like, come on, man. This is college football. Kickers don't always hit these. Our All-American kicker isn't hitting them. I really thought we should have accepted that offensive pass interference. I, I saw your tweet about it, and I looked in the replies, and everyone said the exact same thing that I said to you Sunday. I swear that, that Jeremy Pruitt was telling that referee to back them up. In real time, multiple people that I was talking to about the game were saying that. My dad was saying it. Luke was saying it. And then all of a sudden, we accept the penalty. But I promise you, Pruitt was telling the referee, we we declined the penalty. I promise you, in real time, Pruitt was saying, accept the penalty. Because it. That was actually, I guess, the first field goal of this half. Okay, I thought it was the second field goal that took the lead. But all right, so you had second and 10 from the 15. They get the chop block. We get moved back to the 30. And then, yeah, incomplete. Darnell Washington, offensive pass interference. Could have been third. It could have been second and 40 from the 30, from the 45. Yeah. We decline it. They run for 14 yards, kick a short field goal. Okay. So I'm, I guess I misremembered it a little bit. So they end up, I guess, running a draw and getting at least a closer field goal. It was the second field goal to take the lead where they bombed a 51-yarder. I still would have liked to see them at third and 40, or uh, second and 40, though. Because, I mean, if you stop them from scoring on that first drive after you fumble, like, I feel like the game might not change. I would also like to see what happens in this game if you don't have that first fumble, you know? Just if you punt. What happens? Yeah. If you make them drive the field for points, what happens? Because your defense had a lot of confidence after that goal line stand. But again, like, they play seven plays and give up two yards, and all of a sudden the lead is gone. Yeah, seven plays, two yards. With We all said this at the beginning of the season. With the defensive line that is at best comprised of solid guys, like – None of these guys are, like, people that scare the other team. And we were without our best pass rusher, and the defense still was able to... I mean, Zamir White didn't do anything. And Zamir White is good. It's frustrating because it looks like the same old balls, which, by the way, it was six plays, negative two... Or six plays, two yards, I was counting one of those field goals as a play. But it it sucks because it looks like another 23-point beatdown, and you have, you know the cucks of the world, saying, oh, that win streak doesn't do anything for Tennessee now, does it? Because now you have to play a real team. I wish, you know how, like, when you get so angry, like, the vision around, like, starts going black. Like, you're, like, you get so angry that you, like, ascend to a different realm of reality and existence. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've been there once or twice. Okay, when they showed the, the, the stat... 
that had Jeremy Pruitt's record against the three teams that matter. 0-6, with the obvious caveat that it's about to be 0-7. I wanted to, like, levitate. I wanted to throw my dad's new 65-inch TV through the window. I could have done it with, like, one, one arm. I could have picked that whole damn thing up. I was so mad. I was just like, because exactly, like, it looks the exact same, right? Even though it was, at the end of the third quarter, it was just 30-21. to 21. Like, I and mean, two the, minutes left in the third quarter, it's 23 21. Yeah. You know, so it's not the same Tennessee. But it looks like it. And that's all that people need because they're lazy, because they're journalists, and they're inherently worse people than people like us because they're journalists. That's all they need. That's all they need. They just need it to look like it's the same old Tennessee. That being said, I really tip my hat to Georgia's defense because they are good. Yeah, no, it's great. The they are great. the best defense in college football that I have seen since, SEC speaking, I guess since like 2011, Alabama was the first. Yeah, I was going to say 11 or 12, which everyone was so good. Like, Was that the year they, the defense kept scoring all the points or was that like 2015, 2016? I, I 2011 was when they lost 9-6, to six, right? Yeah, but then there was one year where the defense kept scoring all those damn points. The defense and special teams would outscore like half the teams in the SEC or something yeah. crazy. So it seems like it's the best defense in the SEC since one of those two teams. I mean, they are complete and they are deep and they just keep coming at you on that defensive line. We obviously did not have an answer for their defensive shift. Um, yeah, that was that was pitiful. Which is inexcusable because I know that that's not the first time Georgia's done that. Especially with, like, no real crowd noise. I mean, I know that they had crowd noise, but it's not like a pack. It was minimal. It stadium. was not anything compared to Auburn. I mean, they had far less people in there for this game. That was nice. We were stressed out. We had plenty of room. Yeah, Gabe Wall says Pruitt said back them up 100%. He did. He, he said back them up. I don't know. Has what anyone happened. asked him, like, what the hell happened? Not that I've seen. Well, I haven't seen anything, so I don't know. Um, Sean Schamberger grayed out at 55.7. With 39 snaps. Um, you know, I don't really know that there's an answer there because even if you move Bryce Thompson into that spot, you are one taking your best pure cornerback who has had a good year, who is good, you're taking him off of cornerback, and two, you're putting Alante Taylor back on the field. Yeah, just that worries me. Just, I mean, it shouldn't be an issue against Kentucky. Like, Kentucky sucks offensively, Terry Wilson's not doing anything. But, like, Alabama's going to run us across the middle of the field all day. So is Florida. Yeah. Hell, after A&M, the way they played against uh, Florida, I'm worried about how they're going to do against us, too. So I'm just worried about that moving forward. Hopefully, these defensive masterminds over there can figure it out. With that being said, I fully anticipate we are going to run the ball down Kentucky's throat. Yeah, I think uh, that the defense is not something that I worry about in terms of, like, they'll figure this whole thing out. I mean, it would be nice, you know, if, you know, whatever happened to Warren Burrell? He started, like, the first four games last year as a true freshman. Have you seen him out there at all? I have not. I have not. What happened to him? So why do we only have three cornerbacks? Why do we only have three cornerbacks? That's what I want to know. We have Thompson, Taylor, and Kenny George. 
Kenny George has been fine. He just can't catch interceptions. So why is he defensive back? But hell, nobody else can either. So where is Warren Burrell? Because it would be nice if we had another quarterback that we could put out there. Just, you know, I mean, a fourth cornerback's not asking for too much. I mean, they obviously, Danico Slaughter, like, I don't even see him listed in the PFF rankings that Rob Lewis put up. So, he's gotten pulled after the South Carolina first half or whatever. Like, he ain't been back. They don't, they don't want to run with him. They don't think Theo Jackson is good enough. I, I almost just say, just forget it. Just put Schamberger out there. And let him figure it out. And let him figure it out. Because last year he was good. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I wonder. He was pretty heated coming off the sideline after that touchdown. So I wonder if like he's just not getting along with people. Like, I, you know, being there another year. I wonder if there's something more. Because, I mean, he was, in, he was in trouble the first two games. I know they said it was grades. But, like, he doesn't seem to be taking care of the uh, the off-the-field stuff either. Like, he's struggling off the field and on the field. You know what I mean? They have always, since Pruitt got here, they have always, it has always been an issue. Uh, not always, but the first year, he could not stay out of the doghouse. And I've read before, like on VolQuest, that like part of the reason why Pruitt has been so hard on Schember is because him and Ansley think he can be so good. And it's like last year, there didn't really seem to be that many issues. Like, yeah, Pruitt made him cry against Missouri because he screwed up and Pruitt reamed his ass so much. But like this year, it seems like it's back to how it was year one with Pruitt and Schemberger. Like he can't stay out of the doghouse whether he's playing or not playing. But I think you just, man, he's a senior. Just let him figure it out. Just keep Bryce Thompson at cornerback. All that being said, we're going to beat Kentucky's ass. We're going to be 3-1, and one, and then we'll get another shot against Alabama, and hopefully we can move the ball. Do you agree with me that if we struggle in the first half, that's when we're going to start hearing about uh, Garantano getting pulled? Like, I think Pruitt's got a tricky, an, an, an itchy trigger finger if we struggle in the first half. So, I wanted to talk about this anyway. I thought there was one really interesting thing, is that Sunday night they had that scrimmage. And the only people that got to scrimmage were people that did not play. And Harrison Bailey took every single offensive snap in that scrimmage. Every single one. 49 plays were played in that game, in that scrimmage, and only one guy took snaps at quarterback, and it was Harrison Bailey. Now, you know, they would say it's because, you know, Shrout has been getting looks in practice because he's the backup, blah, blah, blah. Like, but come on, man. Shrout has not played that much, okay? You cannot convince me that JT Shrout does not benefit from a 50-play scrimmage on a Sunday night. And he's your backup. Especially with some of the receivers that did play getting in there and playing, like Jalen Hyatt and uh, wasn't there another another receiver, I think, that, that had played on Saturday that had limited snaps in the scrimmage? So, was it Wideman? Get, get in there and get some reps. Yeah, like, so they can say that, and there might, I'm not saying it's not true, there might be some truth to it, okay? But you still let the true freshman get every single snap when JT Shrout could have benefited from it because he hasn't played that much. I think that, I don't know if Pruitt has an itchy trigger finger. I mean, if you're going to do it, man, you better do it at halftime of the Kentucky game. 
I don't think we're going to struggle, though. But, I mean, we've been in this spot before, a noon game after a disappointment. And, like, you know, we kind of just sleepwalk for a little bit. And I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping, like, they have been humbled and they'll come out and respond the right way. That that would be ideal. But, I mean, just I mean, Pruitt was all about benching JG last year. Yeah, so, which leads me to, like, my the main thing that I've come to the conclusion of this week after hearing the news about Harrison Bailey and the fact, like, what Pruitt said after the game, that he never had a thought about changing quarterbacks and JG's the guy that gives him the best chance to win, that next year their belief is that the starting quarterback is going to be, like, Harrison Bailey or a graduate transfer. Like, it okay. is not going to be Shrout or Mauer no matter what. There's zero chance of that, I would say. I mean, not zero. It could be Salter, I guess, you know. Give me Salter. Joker me, daddy. But they are saying it's going to be Bailey. You can throw Salter in there or they're going to... Give me the Joker. Or a graduate transfer. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go after a graduate transfer, period, just to have a backup. Because they obviously do not like Shrout or Mauer. Well, then maybe JG won't be on a short leash. Maybe that'll just be our thing until until the the Vandy game or something. I don't know. We'll see. See, like, that was going to be, like, that's my feeling is that, like, and I might be totally wrong. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't complain about there being a quarterback change or a short lease, but my feeling was that, like, after the way last year ended and how this year has gone, like, JG is their guy, and it's going to take something cataclysmic to change that. I mean, I'm, I look, I, I don't want to sound like I'm advocating for a quarterback change. I'm not. I just think that we'll see this staff try to shake up the team if they are getting complacent because they did it last year and then they went back to JG. I think they'd be willing to do it again for a sh- uh, you know to, just to give him a shot in the arm. To I the agree. They should the do arm. it. They should do but it. I, but I'm not, oh, I'm not overreacting. I'm not panicking. I think everything's fine. I think that that was the, by far the best defense will play and that you'll see a good JG against Kentucky and Tennessee rolls. I mean, the hammer, thing is – Hammer the minus six. Hammer the minus six. If you like betting, put a bunch of money on it, and when it hits, either up your patron subscription or uh, become a patron for the first time and give us some money and feed Seth's kids because Tennessee is covering the six. Here is the thing. Uh, well, what, Garantano, that first half was like 9 of 11 with two touchdowns. I mean, like he just all went to hell in a handbasket in the second half. No, like I'm not. I'm gonna say like you know Palmer made some really great catches. I know, I know, I know. But those, I mean, we know we can throw the deep ball, and we only did it a couple times. Yeah, why don't we just block. throw it deep? I still don't understand that. Like last year, we started doing that more and more as the season went on. Just throw it deep, man. Like who gives a shit? It's hard to throw it deep when you can't block and you can't get them to stop on play action because they're not respecting your. Play hey, we did at all. throw it. We did throw a slant to Brandon Johnson. He nearly died and he lost his helmet, but he hung on to the ball. He caught the damn ball. Brandon Johnson had that catch, and then the one like he caught the only first down we had. It felt like in the second half he he caught like a third and eight, four yards short, and made a move and got the first down. So we did throw it across the middle a little bit. I mean, it was an Brandon Johnson got decapitated. Yeah, he got stout hit. Impressive to hang on to that ball. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reeds Ranch got four new patrons to shout out. New two dollar patron Dyer McCall. Shout out to Dyer. We love you and appreciate you. New to our patron, Levi Tyler. Shout out to Levi. We love you and appreciate you. New dollar, new two dollar patron, Toff. Shout out to Toff. We love you and appreciate you. New to our patron, Cy Abels. Shout out to Cy. We love you and appreciate you. Thanks, guys. 
We do love what y'all. What a what a group of names we have in there. Stout. Love it. Only the best. Appreciate Brother Sa. Sa's down from Athens. Appreciate him showing some love. He's from uh, where I'm from. I, I I like those guys more when those guys are, are, are supporting the podcast. So I appreciate Sa. Uh, appreciate everybody. Let's get to some questions right quick. We're already at like 40-something minutes, so just grab a couple. Uh, DF asks, whose life will we sacrifice for a national championship of uh, cord members? And I would just say nobody. nobody. It's not worth a, it's not worth the life no, of a our brother and sister. No, this is this is this is a, this is an elite group of minds. Yeah, like uh, no thanks. Not not uh, not killing anybody for a national championship. Yeah, some things are bigger than sports. That's Life true. is one of those things. Brother Cote, who went down to Georgia with me, asked if you could choose one player in the country to steal from another college football player, an- another college football team. Who would it be? It's got to be Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, I mean, that was the, like the first name that came to my mind. And then if you can't make it a uh, quarterback, give me Stingley from LSU. Just put him on our defense, and it would be really, really good. Or is there a, one of those guys from Georgia's front seven? Is there one of those guys probably? Not a bad choice either. Bruce wants to know, why are we acting like we are 0-3? Good question, Bruce. We're not acting like we're 0-3, at least Seth and I aren't. We we took it on the chin, but, you know, let's uh, go beat Kentucky and everyone be happy with 3-1. and one. And I know what the final score said. I know what the second half looked like, but we played with Georgia. We beat them for a half, and there are some positives to take from that. Right? There's some positives to take from that. Oh, I think Tennessee's getting better. They've gotten their, like, they are a lot better than they were last year. I think we went toe-to-toe with Georgia for really over a half of football. But um, I will say that I understand the frustration that we, it feels like we've been having the same fucking problem for four years now. Well, I think position. one reason that it is so demoralizing is that, yeah, like we played really, really good in that first half and for the defense played amazing for three quarters, but like everyone saw the talent disparity. I mean, like <laughs> – we have a long way to go in terms of talent. And, like, Pruitt's done the first thing he had to do, which was he had to get the program to a point where we beat South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vandy. He's gotten the team to that point. Okay? I'm just going to stop you for a second because it's really, really sad that you're saying we have a talent disparity because the only place I saw a true talent disparity was on the offensive line. And that was a place where we were supposed to have all the talent, right? We've talked about the 19 stars. Like, we've talked about those guys being so good. To me, that was the only place I looked and said, there's a big talent disparity. There's not another position I would do that with. Our wide receivers were just as good as theirs. I mean, their running backs might be better. That's fine. But, like, see point number one about the offensive line. Like uh, Their front seven on defense is. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mean like, I thought our front seven played good. Like, yeah, I mean, front I, seven I on defense played great. I'm not trying to take that away we don't from have, them. We don't have those dogs, sure. But, like, I mean, our front seven can produce. It's just our offensive line where the all the all the quote-unquote talent of the team is at just completely sucked. Yeah, they were terrible. They were awful. Which brings us to our next point. Jackie says, where are we on Will Friend between the offensive line play against Georgia and now losing on Mims? Well, we were never going to get Mims. He's not from the state of Tennessee, so whatever. Um, I won't say we were never going to get him. For a little bit, it felt like we were going to get him. I just never. I mean, I mean, obviously we didn't get him, so you're right, and I'm wrong. Like but I just, just think like that, like, if Georgia like wants we... a guy in that state, I think that Clemson can go get that guy. 
maybe Alabama can still do it, but like Georgia's got if they want a guy, it's gonna be really, really tough to beat them, and it's tough to put that on Will Friend. Now Yeah, I'm not blaming Will Friend for that. I'm blaming well, I mean, I guess I could put it on I was gonna say I, I blame the ass kicking on Saturday in the second half. Like that probably closed the deal on Mims. If Tennessee wins that game, maybe he comes here. Which you could say that's a little bit on Will Friend, but either way. I mean, I have nothing like I mean, I, like I have no defense of Will Friend. Like that, that display Saturday afternoon was, it was embarrassing. I mean, I hate it had to happen, but now he is again Will enemy. Yeah, enemy of the podcast. You know, I mean, my my trigger finger when it comes to firing coaches is always itchy. It is always itchy. You don't have to give me a reason to pull that trigger. So let's just say that Will Enemy and Chris Winkie are back on the chopping block. I hate it had to happen to them, but they're there. Welcome. They're back, baby. Just like old times. They're back. They are They are on the chopping block. A couple players getting close, too. I'm, I'm not going to put any players on the chopping block yet, but pretty close. Pretty close. I need to see what happens against Kentucky, but there's a couple names. A couple names. They're they're on notice. Consider yourself on notice. You know who you are. But I'm going to wait to see what happens against Kentucky. Let's see. Techval wants to know, does Kirby get over the hump this weekend and beat Alabama and usher in a new decade of darkness for the Vols? I don't really know what to expect out of that game. Like, I don't think Stetson Bennett is good. No, he's not good. And I don't think Alabama's going to let him throw across the middle of the field, even and, though their defense sucks. Like, uh, I feel like they'll, they'll do a better job of stopping them. And I, and I think Alabama's offense is going to score on Georgia's defense. I think in the NFL, you can say that defense, a good defense will stop a good offense or an elite defense will stop an elite offense. But I don't think in college football that's the case. I think elite offense will win in college football. Now, I have no idea. I have zero answers for what happened Saturday night in Oxford. I don't have a clue what that was all about. I, that entire game was bizarre. Um, the most bizarre part of it to me was, like, how calm and, like, upbeat Nick Saban was while his defense is just getting shredded and left in tatters. He's out there clapping and slapping guys on the ass like they had just, you know, given up three total points in the game, not, like, 45 or whatever it was, over 600 yards offense. But I don't think that Stetson Bennett's going to be able to do that. No, no. Maybe that's what Nick Saban was okay about. He knew he was going to win that game. So, I don't really know what to expect, but it's just still hard for me to bet against Alabama. So, I don't know. Ryan wants to know if there's a core debate between two patrons. Who would you want to see debate and who would you want to see moderate? Um, I would like to see Brizzy debate um, Kanye Twitty with um, Blue Moon Vol moderating. Blue Moon Vol moderating. Um, I would. Like Marwan to wants you to ask me how the undefeated club feels. How does the undefeated club feel? You can address the question a little bit more nicely, please. A little bit more professional. How does the undefeated? How does the undefeated club feel? Can I get a comma, John, or something? Or maybe like a little window dressing about how good the Titans are. Let's try one more time. How does the undefeated club feel, John? I'm glad you asked that, Seth. It feels really good. You know, uh, waking up, being undefeated. 
I don't know if you've checked the standings in the AFC. Do you want to go check the standings in the AFC right now? Right. Well, I'll save you the time because we're up against it. They're very good. Uh, the, the, the number one seed in the AFC right now is the Tennessee Titans. You can't do that right now unless you are in the undefeated club. It's nice to know that every Sunday or Monday or, hell, even Tuesday, that my team is on the field, we are probably going to win that game. I haven't tasted defeat. I haven't gone to bed mad yet once about my Tennessee Titans. And we beat COVID's ass. Many are forgetting we beat COVID's ass. Dominated it. And everyone wanted us to get punished. You see all those people. You see uh, Florio, $10 million fine. Robinson. What? Vrabel, suspended. First and second round pick, gone. You had one schmohawk talking about the Titans should sit out the rest of the year. They should be forced to sit out the rest of the year. That's what he said. And, you know, not only did we beat the hell out of the Buffalo Bills, we had Roger Goodell basically apologize to us and say the Titans didn't knowingly break any rules. They did nothing wrong. Mike Florio wanted a $10 million fine. He said that's the rumblings he had heard. He was he reporting that. He a clown. He wasn't even saying that's what he wanted. He said, I'm hearing the levels of punishment passed down to the Titans will be bigger than ever before. $10 million fine. Head coach, GM suspended. First and second round pick gone. And then Roger Goodell said, I can't do that to the Titans. They are America's new team. I don't know if you guys saw last year. But they beat the Patriots and the Ravens in the playoffs. This is it. This is my. This is the franchise I am deeming as the new darlings of the league. So nothing. Nothing's going to happen. It was a misunderstanding. It feels good to be knowing that we can do that. We beat the Bills. We beat the cuck journalists that wanted us to be punished. We beat all of the haters and losers, of which they are many, and they are very, very fucked up. They cannot help it. And it feels good to be undefeated against all those people. We don't, even, we don't even need to practice. We're undefeated against practice. We only practice one time in 15 days, bro. I mean, at least legally on, on, on our facility. One practice in 15 days. Don't need it. Defeat the COVID. Defeat rustiness. All of those things. It feels awesome, Seth, to be in the undefeated club. It feels amazing, to be honest. Amazing. I know you don't get to know what that feels like anymore, but trust me. It feels great. Uh, BJ wants some commentary. I got moved to the 12th of December. Which, side note, seems like uh, really stupid because what happens if Florida's in the SEC championship? Yeah. So then they have to push the SEC championship back to the 19th. Okay, what happens if there's another delay? Because, like, they're already kind of using their one week up that they have built in. Which, by the way, again, want to reiterate, it was pretty fucking stupid that they only started the season on the 26th. They only gave themselves one week of wiggle room. Because they have to have the SEC Championship played by the 19th because the playoff committee is deciding on the 20th. Yeah. So if Florida wins the East, which I don't think is likely, but if they win the East, seems like bad timing. Uh, BJ wants to comment on uh, Seth's thoughts on the Braves, which were Braves are the third best team in the division. The Phillies are for sure better than the Braves. The Braves need to give, I uh, assume, Josh Johnson a fourth year on the contract because they don't have a choice. It's the Braves, quote, they aren't a serious franchise. How do you feel about those comments now that the Braves are two wins away from the World Series? Good. I'm glad. I want the Braves to win. I've been cheering for them because it makes my dad happy. Uh, it's good to see I'm still in Pawpaw's head. He's probably like, he probably like wrote down those notes on like a post-it note and then put it into his damn overalls and just been sitting on them. I mean, on paper, the Phillies were better at the beginning of the season. Nobody saw Travis Darno. No, like, they weren't. Returning they weren't from the dead 
The Phillies suck. The Phillies always suck. They're they're not better. Okay, that Um, that was a bad take. Just admit it it was a bad take. It it is a bad take. Like you could tell me on paper the Mets were better. I might listen to that one. Oh, I wouldn't have said that. I mean, just simply off the arm, the the arms. I know Syndergaard didn't pitch this year, but still, before that, it's really a shame that the Mets are worse. So bad. I never thought. I never thought the Phillies were better though. I never Um, thought that. But no, no it's good to see him still in Pawpaw's head. Just sitting on him in his overalls. Waiting. BMV wants it's us to press still F so for Joe easy Morgan. To make... Yeah, I know. That's terrible, man. I didn't even know he was sick. Joe oh, was Morgan... he sick? I just thought he was. I just thought he died. I didn't know he was. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Morgan was my favorite person to listen to call a baseball game growing up. I loved Joe Morgan with John Miller. Um, yep. Now, now it is brother Ron Darling. There is nobody. On this earth, I'd rather listen to call baseball game than my brother, Ron Darling, my Hawaiian brother, Ron Darling. But before Ron Darling, when I was little, it was Joe Morgan, the big red machine. I saw some of his stats from like the first six years that he played. His war was like an average of 8.9 or something. Now, he so, was a beast. So, yeah, rest in peace. I think that's five Hall of Famers in five weeks. Um, going back to Lou Brock. So, pretty tough, pretty awful. Joe Morgan was the man. Producer, cut that out. Producer, cut that out. Um, all right, okay, Jacob but can we asked, at least admit that was funny? I mean, it was hysterical. It was hysterical, right? I just love his apology tour was so bad that he started And Castellanos has hit a deep home run to left field. And I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the actual apology tour he went on where he still tried to explain that like, that was the only time in his life he's ever said that Oh, word. yeah, yeah. He still couldn't admit that he uh, has uh, said that, and he was still trying to lie about it all the way through the apology tour. He was quoting Blazing Saddles, right? I don't know. I think. I think he was, because they were playing Kansas City, right? Yeah. I think he was quoting Blazing Saddles. He should have just went with that instead of saying, oh, yeah, it's by far the wor- the only time I've said this word. Like, come on, bro. Jacob asked, where do we see ourselves in five years? Or like he said, yourself. I don't know if he's talking about both of us, just me or what. Uh, hopefully alive. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know where I'll be in five years. I don't. I don't know what my plans are. Got to reevaluate at the end of the year. I take it one day at a time. I have one goal when I go to bed at night. It's that tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to choose joy. And whatever may come, it can come, but I'm going to choose joy. I take it one you day what, at a time. You know what I always say, Seth? We're all day-to-day on We're Life's Injury Report. That's true. We're all day-to-day. Planning five years in advance. It's not for it's me. It's kind of pointless. It's not for me. It might be for some people, but it's not for me. If you'd asked me in 2015 where I would be five years from now, would I have said this? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Five years is, seems like a short time, but it's also really long. I feel like I've done a lot of shit in five years. I feel like this year has lasted about 10. Yeah, this year has been awful. This year has me reevaluating everything. So, uh, Jacob, ask me again in like two years, and I'll let you know. I might have a better idea at that point. All right, Brother Seth, I love you. I, I appreciate you. Well. You coming up for the game on Saturday? I am. You just can't stay out. You just can't stay away, huh? We are not going to the Alabama game, though. Why not? Um, we basically just don't want to go see us get drilled by Alabama again. You guys sell your tickets yet? We have not. No. Okay. Well, you want them? I'll talk to you later. No, no, not really. Well, if you want them, just let me know. You have my cell phone number. Okay, I'll have my people reach out to your people. Sounds good.
Ah, see ya. I do this for suffering children and checks from government buildings. A dope boy who made a check from other than dealing. What a good feeling when they know you one in a million. The feds bury half of my niggas under the building. Don't judge my life now, nigga, cause I've been mad stressed. On tour with the locks and had a project address. Before this rap shit, all my direct assets came from high risk hazards. You know, Pyrex glasses. A long way to the Prezi from the Timex classic. I got lines from a year ago that y'all just catching. I thought smart, then I grew. Got to find out it was true. Money changed the people around quicker than it changed you. You know what Big said? I'm good long as the kids fed. How niggas stole dirt on your name and then beg. No, we don't feel sorry for niggas. Get bread, cause for them California kings, we slept in the twin bed. Us a king to a god, nigga. I'm gonna live forever. Feet on the ground, a hundred in the ceiling. I'm the last of this breed. You won't last in these streets long if you only hustle drug dealing. What's a king to a god, nigga? I'm gonna live forever. Nigga, I'm gonna live forever. This for hoes and fucking rich niggas. You get a rolly too. Cause if I'm up, bitch, we gon' shine together. I do this for my young. More precious than the moon is to the sun. I got more weapons than I'll ever need. I shoot you with each one. Talking cocaine out of Medellin. My hoes straight out the magazine. You drowning in the fire while I'm snorkeling in the gasoline. Steady diet of heavy drugs. Roller push you like Pirelli tires on Chevy trucks. But still a good year. They got every eye on each one of us. What nigga look here? I come catch your ass on career day. And in your career, I got pistols I just clean. I've been trying. Trying to get dirty with you. I got niggas on my team. They ain't trying to swap jerseys with you. I pop in that 30, hit you them shots from the 30 whistle. Watching movies with a bitch that wouldn't watch a commercial with you. I'm higher than everyone but almighty. I treat the white girl like a wifey. Treat her like Aphrodite. Let a god to satisfy me while I'm rolling the tidy. I chop the hands off the clock. That mean I'm timeless. Don't time me. I'm forever. What's a king to a god, nigga? I'm gonna live forever. Feet on the ground, a hundred in the ceiling. I'm the last of this breed. You won't last in these streets long. If you only hustle drug dealing. What's a king to a god, nigga? I'm gonna live forever. Nigga, I'm gonna live forever. This for hoes and fucking rich niggas. You get a rolly too. Cause if I'm up, bitch, we gon' shine together. I do this for the ones that's barely surviving. Watching me living through me, so I gotta stay thriving. This shit a privilege, not promise. Dead honest, cause I can't let you live on my conscience. To multiply, give it my undivided. You gotta move fast, think faster. Lately, my life been a lot of losses and less laughter. To paint the picture, I can't look the same in my before and afters. Honestly, I probably gon' be booked till I'm on the next chapter. Signed a slave deal, now a nigga up on in my masters. Watch me turn good into great. It's first that's to everything, even taking leaps of faith. Swear it's labels that's up. Bees that owe me ends to them, that shit is like G's. Niggas ain't G, grease a disease. We don't have a silver spoon, you gotta eat with your hands. Got walking with me when I'm alone, two sets of feet in the sand. Realize you only as complete as your plan. Might bleed from the hands, got body, why would I ever compare me to a man? Huh? What's a king to a god, nigga? I'm gon' live forever. Feet on the ground, a hundred in the ceiling. I'm the last of this breed, you won't last in these streets long if you only hustle drug dealing. What's a king to a god, nigga? I'm gon' live forever. Nigga, I'm gon' live forever. This for hoes and fucking rich niggas. You get a rolly too. Cause if I'm up, bitch, we gon' shine together. We gon' shine together. Chris Seltzer.